Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Because I'll be there and we'll be serving and just having a good old time, all right? Awesome. Well, let's jump into what we're doing. We are back in a series called Running with the Giants. And I say back in it because this is a series we did last year. And uh, it was so popular, we decided we need to do that again and grab different characters. Now, before I get ahead of myself, let me give you the, the reason for this entire series and what we're doing. And it's from a key verse in Hebrews 12. It says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, that great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12, is talking about all the heroes of the faith that were talked about in Hebrews chapter 11, okay? And it's saying this great cloud of witnesses, the people that, that in the Bible had this great faith, that they've already left this earth, they're already in heaven, and they're watching us as we run our race. It's not just our loved ones that have passed on to eternity, but it's these great heroes of the faith. And it says, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In other words, they're watching. They've got something to say to us, and they're going to help us so that we can run our race better. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so the goal in this series is to take some time as we're running the race of our life, is to take some time out and listen to the voices of those heroes of the faith, to to learn from them and get advice from those who have gone on before us and have already done it. Because when you're in the race and you're making, you're running your laps, it's always, it's kind of difficult in the middle of all of it to know what to do, how to solve every problem, how to get your head wrapped around what it is that you're facing in your life. And that's why we need these heroes of faith because they're in the stands, they're cheering us on, they've got good advice to give us and they want to guide us. And so that's what this series is about. Every week, we're going to pull one of those heroes of the faith out of the stand, and we're going to have them run a lap with us and kind of share some stuff from their life, share advice from their stories. And today, we're pulling Abraham out of the stands, and we're going to have Abraham run with us a little bit. And I think the biggest lesson that we could learn from the story of Abraham is, is, is about faith. It's most certainly about faith. When you look at Abraham's life, he's talked about a lot in the Old Testament, He's talked a lot in, about a lot in the New Testament. And the one word that is constantly connected to Abraham's life is the word faith. Now, faith is one of those words that when you think about it, if I were to ask each and every single one of you, what does this word mean, each one of you would give me a different answer because we all think faith is something different. So let me kind of clarify what I mean by faith. Faith is the ability to trust in the absence of understanding, that's what the kind of faith is that we're talking about today. It's the ability to trust in the absence of understanding. So today we're going to talk about how do we have faith, especially when we don't understand God's ways. Because I think Abraham could speak that to us. I think he could talk about that from his life, is that when we don't understand, I think this is what he would say, is that God always does the right thing that God always does the right thing. Now, it's important that we talk about this because I don't think we really believe that all the time. 
I think we oftentimes question God and say, what are you doing? I don't understand why you did this. I don't understand why you didn't do this. I don't understand how you're going about this in my life. You promised this, this is what I have. We question God all the time. And today we're gonna look at four stories, different stories in Abraham's life that will encourage us and spur us on to increasing our trust and our faith in God. And the type of faith that Abraham winds up having a lot of people have looked at this type of faith and they've criticized it and they've called it blind faith. But it's not blind faith. It's, it's a faith that knows that God is much bigger than anything you and I could imagine. That, that, that there's more to him than we could even comprehend with our minds because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And that means, because that's who God is, that there's things about God that we're just not gonna understand. That just has to be the case. Trust says, I'm okay with knowing or understanding later. Now for me, I want my kids to trust me that way. I want them to know that I love them, that they trust me, and when I tell them to do something, it's for their betterment, it's for their good. That I only give good things to them. A few years back, we went on vacation, and, uh, and, and when we go to the beach, you know, we don't worry too much about about bedtimes. We don't stress too much about that. But on this one particular night, I was like, listen, guys, we started winding down around 7 o'clock. I want you all to go to bed here around between 7.30 and 8 o'clock. And my kids were, like, confused. Like, why, why are we going to bed early? I mean, we're on vacation. We don't do this. We stay up. We hang out. We fall asleep wherever we are on the floor. It's just wherever. It's great. But I said, I just need you to trust me that we're going to go to bed by 8 o'clock, so everybody winding down, let's, let's make sure we get there. And so they did. They obeyed me. They trusted me. And here's why, why I did it. And I didn't tell them why I was doing it. I just said, you're just going to have to trust me. Because at midnight, I woke my kids up, and I took them to, to the opening night. It was opening night. It was a Thursday night of the brand new Harry Potter movie. Hey, who's an awesome dad? This guy right here. And I woke them up. They had no idea what they were doing. We got them in the car, and they were like, where are we going, Dad? I said, it's opening night for Harry Potter. Are you guys pumped? And they were like, woo-hoo-hoo. Like, I was best dad ever, for real. But I want my kids to trust me that way. I, I want them to believe that, that I've got their best it, at heart. I want them to trust me completely, even when they don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing or why I ask them to do certain things. But it's hard for us to trust God that way, isn't it? It's hard for us to do that because we, we pursue knowledge and understanding so much, so much to the point. Like this, is, this is me included. When I say we, I'm not just talking about you. I mean me too. We pursue understanding so much that I think it actually hinders us from being the most blessed that God wants us to be. A few weeks back before we, before we uh, were able to announce that, hey, we got a new building, which, by the way, if you weren't here last week, we got a new building. We're moving in December 2nd. <laughs> but during that process, there were a few things that were a little frustrating for me. And I'm sitting there trying to wrap my head around it and just understand it. Like, God, why isn't this happening? You promised this. This, I'm, if I'm being honest, I was having a royal meltdown. For about three or four days, I was full on like a kid throwing a fit in the middle of the floor at Walmart because I didn't get a toy. <laughs> Come on, don't judge me. It's my life you're laughing at, by the way. And I, I read through the one-year Bible on the Simple Church app. There's a read through the Bible in a year plan, and I was reading through that. 
And, and the, the selection for the day was Proverbs 20. And so I'm reading through Proverbs 20. And I get down to verse 24, and it says this. The Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? Ouch. See, this verse is speaking to how good God is. It, 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 it lends itself to, like, you need to understand who he is. You need to know that he's good. You need to know that he loves you. You need to know that he has your best in mind. And if he's the one that's really in charge, why are you worried about understanding everything along the way? I said amen when I read it, but that's cool. You, go, you just hold it in. It's all good. Thanks. It, be, it, really, it, really, it really, like, got me. Like, man, I had to change my perspective. We simply won't be able to understand everything first. Now, we might be able to stand, understand something later. We might be able to get to a point where, where like, God reveals what he was trying to do the whole time. It might even be when we get in, we have to wait until we get to heaven to understand. That, that might be the case. But there's lots of things in this life I don't understand. One of the things I don't understand is how come women have to hold their mouth wide open when they're putting their mascara on? I don't understand that. I don't understand why we drive on parkways and park on driveways. That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand why the word abbreviated is so long. Don't get that. I don't understand why the guy who invests all of our money, he's called a broker. That doesn't make sense to me. And I don't understand why phonetic isn't spelled the way that it sounds too, right? That's a P-H, right? Should be an F. F-U-N-E-T-I-K, phonetic. And who put the S in the word lisp? I mean, like, I don't understand why that happens, you know? <laughs> Truly, though, there's, there's plenty of things in this life we're not going to understand. We, we just are not going to understand, especially with God. And you all know what these are. You've all experienced some. Some of you are going through some right now. Situations that you don't understand. Why did my loved one have to die? Why, if God's able to heal me, hasn't he healed me yet? Anybody, anybody right there with me? I'm there. Why, why do you keep getting passed up for that promotion on the job? Why is that one thing, that one thing that you continue to seek God for, the thing you fasted and prayed over, the thing that your heart wants the most, not just now but has for a long time, why is that one thing seemingly being withheld from you? Why is everyone else in your life getting married and yet you're still single? Like we got all kinds of things we don't understand in our lives. We question God, what is going on? And I think if Abraham had to speak to one point of your life when you needed faith the most, it's these moments when you don't understand. You, when you don't understand. So let's get started on the first of the four stories that we have here. In Genesis 15, this is the first story I wanna share with you. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And he says, don't be afraid, Abram. He's, his name hadn't yet changed to Abraham yet, by the way. He says, I'm your shield, your very great reward. Now, what you need to understand, by Genesis 15, there's a few chapters prior to this, where God had already appeared to Abraham and promised him this one thing, the thing that Abraham wanted the most, and that was a child. In fact, he not only promised Abraham a child, he pro promised him that, his, that he would be a father of a nation that would be great. That means lots of kids. That means kids and grandbabies and grandbabies and more and great-great-grandbabies and on, on down the list. 
that he would be the father of a great nation. And it's been some time now, and Abraham's a little discouraged. And so God's saying to him, hey, listen, don't be, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Even though it ha- doesn't make sense, don't stress out about it. <coughs> but Abraham rightfully looks at God and says, oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. Eleazar was one of his servants, one of his, hi- his hired employees that lived in his house. He's like, when I die, I've got no kid, so all my stuff's going to go to my servant. And Abram said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. He said, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. God's like, listen, it looks impossible. I understand the situation is difficult. He's like, but I'm going to take care of it. You're still going to have a son. Now, there's a situation here. God has a dilemma as he's talking to Abraham. And I think it's the same dilemma that he has with us. As that he's trying to get us to see what he has for us. He's trying to get us to see it, but we, we simply don't see it. And even when we try to see it, the further dilemma is that as we try to look for it, as we try to find understanding, we still, we, we still don't see it. That's why we need faith. And so here's what God does in order to boost Abraham's faith. He takes him outside and says, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. A little bit of sarcasm. Like, take a look. There's all these stars in the sky. He said, so shall your offspring be. This is how many, how many of your grandbabies and your great-grandbabies, this is how great your nation is going to be, all these stars in the sky. And God's like, this is what I'm trying to do. A nation that is this big, but Abraham still doesn't get it. He still doubted God. But in the face of all these things, when you don't understand, God always does the right thing. And he always does the right thing, first of all, even if it takes a long time. Even if it takes a long time. Abraham, like you and me, had believed that he should have had a child when he was younger and still able to make babies. You know what I'm saying? He didn't expect that it would come after the time when a normal person was able to conceive and have a child. He didn't expect that. And we're going to think, as we look at our situations, just like Abraham, that God waited too long, that he's taken too much time, that it's too late. It's kind of like the story of, of Lazarus. Lazarus was one of Jesus' closest friends. And Lazarus and his two sisters lived a distance away, and Jesus was off ministering in a faraway city, and, and Lazarus gets sick. And, and his sisters send a message to Jesus. Hey, get over here, because Lazarus is sick, and we know you can heal him. But instead, Jesus waits a few more days, stays in the town where he's at and begins and ministers, and then he leaves knowing that he's going to get there and Lazarus is going to be dead. So he arrives to the city, and of course, Lazarus' sisters come out, Mary and Martha, and they greet Jesus, and she's like, Lord, you're too late. He's already dead. And of course, if you know this story, you know how it ends. You know that Jesus goes ahead and raises Lazarus from the dead because it was not too late. <coughs> <coughs> It's the same thing with Abraham. Same exact thing with Abraham. He was promised to have a son, but he still was without a son. He was without an heir. And God is notorious for taking a long time, or at least what seems like a long time for us. And and it's understandable because God isn't on your timeline. And if you don't get that, if you don't 
wrap your head around that fact, you're not going to be able to enjoy God in the way that you need to. That he's not on your timeline. We need to trust that his ways and thoughts are higher than ours. We know that someday we're going to understand, but today, until we do, we need to trust him. That's where we got to land when it seems like God's taken too long. Now, when it comes to Abraham, here's how we know that he didn't understand the whole stars thing that God was trying to show him, that, that he didn't get it, that he didn't have his head wrapped around it because he ultimately went out and tried to handle it for himself. And it turned out badly for him. Look what happened in, in Genesis 16. It says, now Sarai, which, which her name later gets changed to Sarah, Abraham's wife had borne him no children. So up to this point, still no kids. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children, which is just an interesting perspective. Now she's just got bad theology, that it's God that's kept me from having kids. And so she says, go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. Now, guys, this may seem like a good idea, but I promise you it is not. When you read through the rest of the story, Abraham's house almost collapsed on itself because there was tension, there was jealousy, there was bitterness, all because he tried to handle the situation on his own and he did something through his flesh instead of through his faith. And what's funny is it was her idea in the first place and he still suffered greatly. On top of all that, the child that he wound up having with Hagar, his name was Ishmael. And Ishmael later becomes the father of the, of the Arabs, of, of the whole Arab people. And this, this lack of patience cost Abraham a lot. Our timing and God's timing are rarely the same. And it's understandable where we get our view that things should happen quickly. First, we know that he's all-powerful. We know that he's able. But we also have the influence of our culture today. Everything happens so quickly around here. I mean, if we go through a drive-through and they don't give us our food within a minute or two, we are tapping our foot, attitude rises, we just, we start, maybe that's not you, and it's not really me, but I'm just trying to, you know. We have ATM machines and, and fast, we got, we got all this fast stuff today, and I think that impacts our mentality. And so we think that because God can, that he needs to give it to us now, but we need to adopt God's perspective of timing, all right? It's like that old story they tell about a guy who approached God and said, hey, God, how much is a million dollars to you? And, you know, God, from his perspective, said, well, a million dollars is like a penny. And the, God, and the guy said, well, hey, God, how, how long is a million years to you? God said, it's, well, it's like a second to me. And the guy thought for a second. He said, hey, God, you think I can get one of them pennies? And God said, sure, in a second. <laughs> Listen, God's not on our level. That's a slow burn for somebody over there. They just got it. <laughs> Listen, he's not on our level. God is outside of our thinking. He's outside of who we are, and he's outside of our timing. Second Peter 3.9 says this, the Lord's not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. He is patient. And because God is patient, he expects you to be patient too. And you need to understand, patience is not just about waiting. It's about what you're doing while you're waiting. That's a whole other sermon that we'll do another time. 
So be patient and trust him even when it takes a long time. Second thing from Abraham's story, he says, God always does the right thing, even if it seems absurd. Even if it seems absurd. God's going to do things that you're going to find absurd. He's going to ask you to do something. You say, that does not make any sense. That is ridiculous. For Abraham, he was 99 years old. And Sarah was 80, um, 89 years old. And God shows up and said, hey, now is the time for you to have a kid. And as a result, Sarah laughs. It's absurd. It was ridiculous. Check out Genesis 18. It says, then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him, and Abraham and Sarah were already old and well-advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. She was 89. Ladies, could you imagine being 89 years old and showing up to the next gathering of your girlfriends and going, girls, I got to tell you something. I mean, like, could you imagine the conversations? Like, what? 89, and you're pregnant. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my master is old, well, I now have this pleasure. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I'm old? I love this line. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I'll return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. It's almost like God waited this long just to show them what he could do, just to show off a little bit. Oh, you think it's a little too late for you. Let me just go ahead and show you what I got up my sleeve. Let me flex a little bit for you, because nothing's too difficult for him. And when everything seems impossible, it says that's when he appointed that time. He appointed it. It's like he decided before he even told Abraham, this is, this is the appointed time. This is when it's going to happen. And some of you need to hear this today because some of you think that God can't. For whatever the situation is in your life, you say, well, God can't because my marriage is too broken. God can't because that relationship is just too stressed. God can't because my child has walked too far from God. God can't because we can't make the ends meet, let alone find the ends. God, God can't because that dream he's put in my heart has been unobtainable. Every door is closed. That God can't. But I promise you, whatever that dead thing is in your life, whatever it is you would identify, I promise you that God can still step on the scene of that thing. Have faith. It may seem absurd to you, but I promise you, that God is doing the right thing. When we go to Romans 4, 19 through 21, which speaks to Abraham's story, so Genesis is in the Old Testament, Romans is in the New Testament. Paul is talking about this, and he, and he says something beautiful here about Abraham. He says, without weakening in his faith, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. In other words, he understood this. He faced the fact Since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Why? Because he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised to do. Even when things seem absurd, even when it seems like God's taken too long, 
God's doing the right thing. God's also doing the right, always does the right thing, even when it doesn't seem right as well. I mean, there are times in your life that, that are beyond the absurd and beyond God being what you would identify as late, where you just look at God and say, you're doing the wrong thing. That, that's just the wrong thing. How could you even go about it that way? You're wrong. But God always does the right thing, even when it seems wrong. In Abraham's story, there's, there's a city called Sodom, and it was a wicked city. And God had identified it for destruction, given the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, two neighboring cities, plenty of opportunities to repent, plenty of opportunities to turn away from their wickedness, and yet they did not. And so God tells Abraham, I'm going to destroy it. And Abraham's like, whoa, are you kidding me? Like, like I don't want you to do that. And he begins bargaining with God. <coughs> and he starts going, starts at 50 people. He's like, hey, if there's 50 people in that city, will you save it? And God's like, sure. He says, if there's 45, and he begins bargaining with it and getting down. And he gets down to this number that he knows that is actually there because his nephew Lot lived in Sodom. And Abraham asked him, he says, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? In other words, he's like, God, you're wrong. This is the wrong thing to do. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with questioning God as long as you land on the right conclusion. Not, nothing wrong with it. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus being fully God and fully man, knowing what the plan was, the reason that he left heaven in the first place was to live on this earth and die a brutal death on the cross and be raised from the dead and three days later. He knew that was the plan. He knew it. And yet in the garden, we see him pray, Father, if there's another way to do this, let's go ahead and do that. He's questioning, hey, are you sure this is right? He already knew the answer to that. But we see him questioning, but we also see him landing on the right conclusion. He says, let your will be done and not mine. Let, let, let your will be done and not mine. And Abraham came to the right conclusion as well. He said, will not the judge of all the earth do right. And God did. Lot was rescued before that city was destroyed. And then listen here. Sometimes we look at God's justice and we say that's wrong. But God's justice is not our justice. He isn't fair according to our standards. Faith understands this. What Proverbs 14, 12 says is that there is a way that seems right to a man but in the end, it leads to death. In other words, we don't understand all that we think we understand. We don't comprehend or see all that God sees. Listen, trust is needed most, not when you agree, but when you disagree. When you find that you're facing God and saying, you know, this isn't the right thing that you're doing here. Trust is needed most in those moments. It may take getting to heaven to see from his perspective, but we need to trust that God is always doing the right thing, even when it seems wrong to us. The last thing Abraham would tell us is that God always does the right thing even when we don't understand. Even if we don't understand. You know, Abraham's story, God eventually gives him the son just like he said he would a year later, and they have Isaac. And they named him Isaac because the name means laughter, just like Sarah laughed when God said she would have a child. But as the child grows, God decides to test Abraham. And he comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to take your son and I want you to take him up on Mount Moriah 
And I want you to lay him on an altar there and, and offer him up as a burnt sacrifice. Some of you are like, I'll do that. I'll do that right now. Little Johnny, go ahead and jump on the, on the altar. <laughs> yes, Lord, be it so. But Abraham doesn't, doesn't question it. You know, before, Abraham's going through a few things in his story, and he questions God. But he doesn't question him on this, which seems so odd, unless you understand why. He doesn't question God because at this point, he knows God, and he has faith. In fact, he just says, yes, Lord, I'll do it. So he takes Isaac, and he's traveling with some of his servants, and they get to the mountain. They get halfway up the mountain, and he's like, y'all make camp right here. Stay here. My boy and I are going up the mountain. We going up, and we coming back. Now, this wasn't some kind of name it and claim it kind of stuff, blab it and grab it, where they just say it so that God has to do it. No, he was speaking upon an authority from, from knowing God. He knew the nature of God, and he said, he said, you know what, here's what I know about God. I know that if I go up there and kill my son, some, that God's going to do something awesome. But look, here's what it says. It said, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. In other words, he gets to the top of the mountain. He builds the altar, puts some sticks on it, binds his son, lays him on the altar, lifts the knife, and he's going to just to, to do the deed that God sent him to do. And an angel stops him. And God says, hey, Abraham, I don't want you to do that after all. He said, there's a ram over here in the bushes. Why don't you sacrifice that instead? God provided. God, God provided. He stopped him. And it says, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Watch what Abraham does. He does something crazy here. Abraham reasoned that if he obeyed God, if he, if he sacrificed his son, like follow through with that. Like, like, like drained his blood, put him on an altar, sacrificed him in the way that they would animals during that day, that God would do this, <laughs> that God could raise the dead. This is the kind of faith and the kind of trust that Abraham has in God. Do you know up until this point that had never happened in the Bible? Go read it all again. Up until this point in Genesis, there's never been a person raised from the dead, and yet Abraham knowing who God is, because God said, hey, this nation's going to be birthed out of this boy, believed that if he, if he killed him, if he, if he sacrificed him, that God would just raise him back from the dead. That's crazy to me. He believed that. Why? Because he knew him. Because he trusted him. He knew that God always does the right thing, even when it takes a long time. He knew that God does the right thing, even when it seems absurd. He knew that God does the right thing, even when it seemed wrong. And now he understood God does the right thing even when we don't understand. Because the more you know him, the more you trust him. Psalm 910 says, those who know the Lord, trust him. God knows best. He knows what we need. I'm sure many of you have prayed all kinds of prayers that to this day you are, that God hasn't answered. And some of those prayers that you've prayed, now that you've kind of gotten some time and some distance between that prayer, aren't you thankful he didn't answer? Right? Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Like, because some of you, how many of you ever prayed for somebody, Lord, just let me marry that person? Let me, let me have that person. Let me date. Come on, be honest. You ever prayed, God, let me marry that person. Let me date that person, right? 
But now a few years later, you've looked them up on Facebook and you're like, thank you, Jesus. You did not answer that prayer. Dear God, thank you, Lord, for the bullets that I missed. Woo. Thank you. Right? It just changes everything. (laughs) Those who know him, trust him. And I want to encourage you today that we need to give up the quest of understanding everything and make the goal of our lives knowing him. There's nothing wrong with understanding. That's why we're looking into the scriptures today. But it's better to pursue knowing him. Because if you make understanding a prerequisite to every act of obedience, then you reduce God down to the size of your brain. That was so good. I'm going to shout for myself. Well, (laughs) so as we run this final lap, as we're finishing up our time with Abraham, he shared the lessons from his life. I think there's a few encouraging words he would say before he steps back up into the stands and leaves us. Uh, You say, well, what would somebody who's already gone up into heaven say to us? What is somebody who's gone through what we're going through, who's experienced what they've experienced? Well, when they've grown and trusting God in, in such a crazy way like Abraham did, what do you think he would say to us? Well, I think Abraham would offer a different perspective for us. You know, for, for, for a long time, you know, we, we planted our church in the funeral home. And as a result, I became like the funeral home pastor. I don't know if you know that or not. But like, like I got lots of calls. And in the early days, I didn't have a whole lot to do to fill my schedule. So I said yes to a whole bunch of ministry opportunities to doing funerals for people that I didn't know. Just, just, to, just to learn how to love on people better, how to serve them, be available to do that. I still do quite a bit of funerals, but I did a lot in the early days. And I walked with some people through some really tough stuff, tough stuff that they didn't understand. Especially because since the beginning this, of this place, since we started Simple Church, One of the communities that we serve and love and celebrate is a recovery community. And there's been quite a few of them that were struggling with addiction and fighting for their lives in recovery that lost that battle. And I had to walk through many different funerals of some of my friends that passed away because of that, because of drugs. Lost another girl that I knew this past Friday, her funerals this afternoon. And the only thing that I could ever offer in those situations, the only thing I've ever been able to do is encourage people to fix their eyes on heaven. Because if this is it, if earth is all we have to look forward to, then then it will disappoint you. But earth isn't all that we have. We have what, what 1 Thessalonians 4 refers to as a blessed hope. There's a hope that someday... When, this, when my time on earth is done, that I'll fly away. You'll fly away to be with Jesus, that, that when your life ends here, that there's eternity in heaven to be experienced because there is a day that Jesus is gonna return. The Bible says that those that are dead in Christ will rise first and that those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up and meet them in the air with the Lord and there we'll be with Jesus forever in eternity. That's our blessed hope. That earth is not our final destination. This is not it for us. There's more. And that's why I think Abraham would say to us, 
as he's walking back up in the stands, hey, don't, don't make earth your home. Don't be satisfied with all this stuff here on earth. Don't let it be the thing that, that makes your heart the fullest. Just pass through here on earth. Paul, the apostle who wrote most of the New Testament, even said this about himself. He says, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm an alien here on this earth. He didn't belong here. And Abraham believed that too. In fact, in Hebrews 11, speaking of Abraham, it says, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Check it out. Here's, here's how we know that he did this. Because he lived in tents. In other words, he didn't set up a homestead. He didn't travel away from his dad and get into this land and say, all right, I'm going to build a house right here. He lived in a temporary lodging situation, always looking for that which was promised. He says he lived in tents, as did his son Isaac and Isaac's son Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He's living in tents because this wasn't his home. And that's the attitude that I think Abraham would ask us to adopt. Hey, don't let, don't let this be it. Don't, don't let this just be it. Don't make earth your home. Desire the home that God is building for you. And, and the last thing I think he would say as he's, as he's leaving is kind of like the first one, but it's a little different. It has to do with our perspective. And I think he would say, live with an eternal perspective. In everything you do, live with an eternal perspective. Like, like when you go, all right, how am I going to spend my time? Am I going to spend all my time on things that I want to do, on, on, on selfish things that I want for myself? Or am I going to spend some of my time investing it in God's kingdom, making a difference in eternity? Or, or how am I going to spend all my money? Am I going to spend it on myself, buying everything that my little heart wants? Or am I going to specifically earmark and set aside and prioritize investing in God's kingdom? so that I can make a difference in eternity with my finances. Like living with an eternal perspective. Look at what Hebrews 11 says. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. In other words, God's promise was fulfilled. But it, it didn't happen until after Abraham was gone. That's kind of a bummer unless you have an eternal perspective. See, when you have an eternal perspective, when you give and serve today, when you invest in God's kingdom today, you make a difference here in Reynoldsburg, but you also make a difference around the world, around this state, around this country, around this community. You, you make a difference. Because every time you give here, we support church planning efforts here in this state, this nation, and the world. We support missionaries who are winning people to Christ all over the world. We support hope centers that are loving on kids and communities and serving them. We support, support food pantries that are feeding those that are in some of the darkest moments of their lives. We're making a difference in eternity as we do that. Now watch as this verse concludes. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. That's eternal perspective. And it says, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things 
show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. Listen, they got it. Abraham got it. And I want you to get it too. You know, I, I know we often wish that God would do things a different way. I know we often wish that we could understand, but when we don't understand, we need to know one thing, that God always does what's right. Let's pray. Father, today I know there's many people here that are facing disappointments. They're facing things in their life that they don't understand. The loss of a loved one, a, a miscarriage, a, an estranged spouse, a child that is far from you. God, in all these situations, whatever they are, I know that we don't understand. But I pray that we would not be discouraged today. I pray that our hearts would be filled with trust, that we would gain eternal perspective. And then in the face of things that we don't understand, when it seems like you're taking too long, when it seems crazy what you'd ask us to do or what we're going through, or when it feels like you're wrong, God, in the face of those things, may, we, may our hearts be settled and firm that you're good and that you'll always do what is right for us. And God, as we patiently wait today for you to act or for understanding, God, I pray that you would let your grace abound to us even if that means waiting until we get to heaven to receive that which you promised us, Lord. Now today there are those of you in this room who say, Aaron, I don't know the Lord that way. If having faith requires me knowing him, I don't know him. Well, today I, I want to give you that opportunity. It starts with you taking a step of faith, saying, saying I'm, I'm ready to know you, God. So I've never talked to God. I'm not even sure if he... If he's real or if he can hear me, I promise you he is real and he does hear you today. And today, if you're ready to take that first step of faith, that step of faith that begins the relationship with God, if you're ready to place your faith in him, the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. In other words, he lets you off the hook. He forgives your sins. He redeems your life, your past, your mistakes, your strength, attaches purpose to it. He says, I'm gonna use you to make a difference in someone else's life. Oh, and by the way, I'm gonna give you a full and fulfilled life here on earth and eternity in heaven with me. That's what God's saying right now. If you'll just simply place your faith in him, if you'll just simply say, I don't understand it all, I don't know what my next steps are, but I know this step, it's just to say, I'm ready. And if you're ready to take that step today, to know God, maybe you've made this commitment before and you've walked far away from God, or maybe it's your first time. Wherever you're at, this is your moment to begin again. And I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment. If you wanna be counted in on that prayer, would you let me know that? Would you just lift your hand right now and say, Aaron, that's me. I wanna do that today. I need to take a step of faith. I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. 
Come on, be bold. Just lift your hand up now. It's awesome. Church, let's pray together. If you're praying with us online because you're watching live or even a playback or listen through the podcast, you can pray right where you're at and God will meet you there. Church, let's pray together out loud. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. And I want to know you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.